you would turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 as we continue our series looking at a book each week, looking through all of Scripture and trying again to remind ourselves that Christ is throughout all of Scripture. So much of last year we looked at the Old Testament and now almost through the New Testament as we look each week. And so we get to 2 Peter chapter 3. Before we jump in there, I want to give you maybe a, a, a heads up about something coming in just a few weeks. About a year ago, I presented to our church uh, a sermon called What's Next? And it was really a, a vision casting kind of day in which we looked at a, a five-year vision plan. Uh, we were going to specifically look at how we were going to live out the calling that God has placed before us. And I'm thrilled in a couple weeks to get to report on how year one has gone and what God has been doing uh, in the life of Colonial Heights and what is going to be taking place in the years ahead. So September 12th, uh, make sure you put that on your calendar and, and don't miss that day. Both morning gatherings that day, we will strive through the word to understand uh, what we want to do, how we want to do, in fact, whatever it takes for Christ to be made known in all the world. We want to do whatever it takes uh, as we seek to know our people, to love our community, to end our debt, and to reach our world. So remember, September 12th, be here ready for that. But moving on to the message for today, let me ask you this. Have, have you ever had, had to wait on God? Ooh. Ever felt like he wasn't hearing you? Felt like you praying and it's just bouncing off the ceiling? Ever wondered, what's taking you so long, God? You ever thought, I'd, I don't know, I don't have to know when, but I really want to know what you're doing, right? There's, there's, there's this part of us that feels like maybe that's even more spiritual if we'll just say, you don't have to tell me when, but like, am I ever going to make it out of this? What are you doing right now? What is going on? What, what's, the, what's the deal? Well, let me tell you, so in this second letter from Peter, uh, this is somewhat of what Peter is trying to describe. He, he doesn't feel like he has long before he dies. He's accurate in that based on when this uh, appears to have been written and then history tells us when he dies. This, this isn't much far before this. So this is like his farewell speech. And he wants this letter to last past his life, which even speaks uh, a little bit toward in chapter one. So when we get to this section in chapter three, uh, Peter has already warned that the day of the Lord, that means that the end is near. And the day of the Lord is coming, even if you are wondering when is it really going to happen. In fact, there were people, uh, false teachers in the church at the time that were saying, either he's already come back or he's not. It's just, it's not gonna happen. For us as the church, this is a pretty pivotal moment, right? To believing whether or not Christ's return is really going to happen? Is he really going to fulfill the promise that he said? So let's read 
in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters that when he speaks in, in them of these matters. Some of them in that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destructions as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So we begin by looking at the work of God, the work of God. We, we start with this, this early part of this passage that we're looking at, and we, we quickly understand that God is slow to us because he is outside of time, right? Verse eight, do not overlook the one fact, beloved, that, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is just one day. Ever thought about that as, as God being the creator of time, right? If, if God is creator of all things, it means he's also created the way in which we keep time, sun and the rotation of the earth. He, he exists outside of time. So when we're asking how long, God, why are you taking so long? Why is this so slow? Why won't you speed up this process? For the Lord, he's outside of time. Think about it this way. Um, for those of you who pay much attention to, to football, there is, uh, there's like the offensive coordinator who oftentimes sits up in the box, right? He's like way up in a box uh, in the really nice stadiums. It's really far, right? It's, it's way up there. And he could see the whole field all at once and could kind of see all the moving parts. He wants to be able to see everything. The, the referee is, is specifically wants to see what's right in front of him. The quarterback wants to see just a, a little bit more than that. God isn't just in the, the press box, so to speak. He is outside the universe, being outside of time is a reminder of how big our God is. 
We learn this as children, right? I mean, from the very get-go in, in church, we are reminded that God is big. He's so big. He's so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Right? For those of you who grew up in church, you remember that. Or, or you think about it, like, he's got the whole world in his hands. Right? These are, these are not just elementary. I mean, these are the, the preschool age type songs. We're trying to, to remind our children, God is grander, bigger than anything your mind can fathom. And yet, as we grow older, as we grow bigger, we in our minds shrink the size of God. We, it's as though we, we say that those songs are just metaphors. Do this, turn to Isaiah 46. I know we're still in 2 Peter and we're gonna live there for most of the sermon, but if you go to Isaiah 46, I feel like this would be just helpful to remind yourself of the, the magnitude, the, the size of God. Just, just a few different pieces of this bigness. Isaiah 46. I want you to, to see the eternality of God in verses four and five. He says, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare that we may be alike? The eternality, even to your old age, even when you get old, even when you die, even when, when not only that you have gray hair, but that you lose it all, even, even when that happens, God will still be. Your age does not dictate his age. And you, I want you to see the solitariness of God, how he is alone, right? In, in verse five there, it says that, who are you gonna compare? Who are you gonna liken to me? No one is equal to me. But verse nine says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I need you to hear this. If you didn't catch that, God is saying no one else is like him. There's, there is arguments all the time on ESPN about who the goat is in any sport, right? Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time in soccer. Greatest of all time in football. Greatest of all time in gymnastics or swimming. You're just walking through the Olympics, right? And you see all of these kind of conversations about who's the greatest Olympian and who's the greatest swimmer and who's the greatest track and field. and who, da, 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 da. I need you to understand that the greatest of all time is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is the one and only God and there is no one like him. There is not another God on the planet. Every other attempt at a God is false, fake, phony, and man-made. So see the solitariness of God, that there is only one. But also see that this, that this 
grand, eternal, no one else like him, God is all wise. See his wisdom in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. My counsel shall stand. He says, I will accomplish my purpose. So see the purpose of God. He says, even calling a bird from uh, a prey from the east. This is verse 11. The way of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Isn't it good to know that we have a God who when he purposes, it happens. We're not talking about a, a weak God. We're talking about the the magnificent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, perfect God. One of my favorite writers of, about the attributes of, a God, of God is, is a man named A.W. Pink, Arthur Pink. He writes this, to, den to deny the divine decrees would be to predicate, predicate a world and all its concerns regulated by undersigned chance or blind fate then what peace, what assurance, what, what comfort would there be for our poor hearts and minds? What, what refuge would there be to, be to just fly in the hour of need and try? There would be none. There would be nothing better than the black darkness and abject horror of atheism. Listener this morning, how thankful should we be that everything is determined by infinite wisdom and goodness and what praise and gratitude are due unto God for his divine decrees. It is because of them that we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So we can explain for him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God is slow to us because he is outside of time. And God is slow toward us because he is patient toward us. Still go back now to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. That's, that's us in our finite mind. We, we count slowness. And so to us, we say, you're slow. But instead, he is patient toward you. You see, oftentimes I, I've, I've forgotten of God's patience toward me. You know, uh, if, if you are a, uh, a child, a student, and you have, you have parents that are, are patient with you, right? They give you a, a second chance and a third chance, and they, when, when you disobey, they don't, they don't immediately start yelling at you. Instead, they they help uh, train you up. They give you boundaries and help remind you of those boundaries and they show you grace and kindness. That's, that's being patient toward you. I don't know how that works on the soccer team. Maybe your coach is patient toward you. 
Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But right, like, right, as you, as you mess up, he says, hey, like, this is what we're supposed to do. These are the steps we're supposed to take. All of those, all of those pieces of the puzzle. Patience toward you. So, so when we think of that, that seems to make sense. Aren't we so glad that, that our parents or our coach is patient with us? I need you to understand that the Lord is giving more than just a second and third chance for you. The Lord is being patient with you. And listen carefully. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, he has been patient with you to this day, that today would be the day that you turn your life over to him. See, his, his eternal punishment is not always given in the instant that it's deserved. Because that would happen upon our birth. We're born sinners and, and immediately deserving of his punishment. And it's, it's also his immediate sentence whenever we are punished by him. It's not always given to its greatest extent in that moment. For we would not be in existence right now. His seeming delay is provided for those who are perishing. He is slow to anger. And and I need you to hear this. His ultimate desire is repentance for all. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Today, you say, like, why would I repent? What do I have to repent of? What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from your sin, your wrongdoing, the things you have done, said, thought, things you haven't done, said, or thought that you're supposed to that are offensive to a righteous, perfect, holy God who deserves for you to turn away from your sin and trust in him. God is slow toward us because he is patient toward us. God is slow with us because we are impatient with him. As, as patient as he is toward us, we're quite impatient people, aren't we? I started this out with those questions. How many of us have asked of God, how long? How long are you going to make me go through this? When, when am I going to hear from you? We need to know that while we are being impatient with him, the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. That means unknown to us. The heavens will pass away with a roar, verse 10 says. When, when he acts, when he is going to act, is not, not always known by us. That's the idea of this thief. If a thief gave you a heads up, hey, I'm coming to your house tonight. I'm going to break in. I'm going to take all your stuff. We would probably do something. Put a guard outside the door. Get a dog. I don't know. Something. We, if, if we knew. But we, we just know that he's, he's coming. We don't know when. And when he acts, it's fast. Other passages describe it like a, the twinkling of an eye. 
also what, it, what seems slow to us now so is, is ultimately going to be fast. Think about what, what he's, who he's talking to. He's talking to a group of people, a group of believers who are questioning whether or not it's really going to happen. And this is just like maybe a decade or two after Christ has ascended. We're now 2,000 years later, right? So now hear the words of Peter as he says, he's coming. What, what this, this thing that seems like this crazy long amount of time, this 2,000 years, according to this, it's just a couple days. It's just been a, a flash. It's been, it's been like no time at all. The day of the Lord is coming. His judgment is coming. And his, his abundant grace for those in Christ is coming. So there's the work of God, but there is the weight of man. The weight of man. Waiting is not easy. Again, we're not good at it. Many of us husbands aren't even good at waiting on our wives to get ready. It's not always our, I'm not even gonna say who said amen, okay? Uh, right, well, that's not our strength. But man must wait for the coming of the Lord because we're not God. And in verse 12, it gives maybe another word that I think is really helpful it says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. It's like longing for. Not just waiting, twiddling our thumbs, scrolling on Facebook like we're, when we're waiting for our wife to get out of the store that we left already that we don't want to be in. We finally found a bench nearby. It's not just waiting for the response after we sent a text and we see the three dots and we're like, oh, what are they going to say? What's it going to be? It's not that kind of waiting. This is a, a hastening. This is a longing for. Wanting him to come quicker, Lord, come. Waiting is a verb. It's a, an attitude of expectancy. Lord, we, we believe that you're coming. We believe that you have told us this, that we, we trust your word. We, we see in your word that you've fulfilled promise after promise after promise. So why wouldn't you fulfill this one? There's no reason. Of course you will. So, so we look forward to that day. We're not, we're not fearing the end. We're longing for the end to come. In fact, we want to do whatever it takes. This is what we'll talk about in a few weeks. We want to do whatever it takes so that all will hear so that the end will come. Waiting is a, is a verb. It is an action word. It's not uh, sitting like a bump on a log. It is, it is movement. And waiting, I don't, I don't want you to pretend like, I, I don't pretend this not to be true. Waiting is a challenge. Like it, it's not that this is easy. In fact, right after Jesus ascends into heaven, right? So Jesus has come, lived on earth, dies on the cross, comes back to life. Several days later, he's interacted with a bunch of people and then he ascends into heaven and all of the guys are standing around and they're just staring up the sky. 
like, you said you were coming back. Like, did you mean like right now? Like, like we're not, there's like zero patience in those people. They're literally just like, are we supposed to go? Like, should we skip lunch? Like, what are we doing? Right? And here's what it says in Acts 1. It says, when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Essentially saying, like, he'll let you know. So, You've got to go. Like, remember all the stuff he told you? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you? Like, that's what you're supposed to be doing now. You're, you're supposed to be taking the gospel out. So, so now it's time for you to wait into action. So, so we men must wait with eagerness for the coming of the Lord. And man must wait for the reconciliation of, with the Lord. Look at verse 13. Chapter three, verse 13. This is so encouraging. According to his promise, we are waiting. What are we waiting for, actually? We're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We want new. We want, we want made right with God. Like it was intended to be and we messed it up. This promise is worth us hoping in. This promise is something that we can, we can put our fingers and say, we want that. And this challenge that is so difficult, this waiting, the challenge is worth the wait. Man must wait for reconciliation and man must wait for the sanctification from the Lord. And Peter's last comments here in verse 14, he says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent, be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. He says in this, be found without spot or blemish. What he's saying is, be made sanctified in Christ. Be diligent in your work. You know, uh, it, it, can, it can seem like, like, hey, if he's just gonna come back at some time and we don't really know when, we can just kind of do whatever. Because when he comes, we're gonna get a new heaven, we're gonna get a new earth. We're going to get this reconciliation and things going to be fine. So, so let's just do whatever we want until then. And what Peter's saying is, listen, when he comes back, you want him to find you well. You want him to find you without spot or blemish. We want, we, you want to be found by God to look more like Christ. 
only way this happens is mercy. Grace. Grace, receiving something good that you do not deserve. Mercy, not receiving something harsh that you do deserve. I think about this in our lack of patience, our lack of waiting. So a few things come to my mind. One is those that might be here today that don't know Christ and have heard me say, repent. I need you to hear once again, please. The Lord is slow to anger. He is gracious to you to withhold your deserved punishment, my deserved punishment. And that punishment is eternal death, separated from him. And he's offering you a way of eternal life through his son, Jesus. So trust in Christ. It's the one and only Lord and Savior, the one and only God of all. Trust in him. And for those who are saved, you're here week after week after week and you are maybe even growing in your walk with Christ, be encouraged that no matter what it is you're going through, be patient. The day of the Lord is coming. And no matter how long this has felt, the glory of eternity will be far greater. Paul calls these things light momentary afflictions. Even when they're long for us, for a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So look forward to that day and rejoice in the mercy and grace of God that has been given to you. Celebrate what he has provided. It's possible that today you have questions, things that come to mind that you are curious about. So I wanna encourage you to make your way to this room to my left in just a moment. If you have questions about this idea of repentance and confession, if you have questions about how you're supposed to be patient, maybe it is you are going through something hard and difficult and you just want someone to pray over you, pray with you. There will be some of our church members who would love to do just that. Maybe it is in this time that your response this morning will be to sing. To sing of the mercies of God grace of God, knowing that, that no matter how much you have sinned, his mercy is more. It abounds in you and for you. So as we respond this morning, I pray that we would respond in a way that is pleasing and honoring to our Christ. Would you stand with me as we respond?